all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His Word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. And, and one person is all excited hearing the word of God being preached, and they're, going, they're glowing. The light's going on. And someone sitting right next to them might be going, What are you having for lunch? You know what? You're missing out unless you're listening to the word and mingling it with faith, going, I believe that. It's true. I believe that. You mingle it with faith, you believe God's word, it makes all the difference in the world. As a matter of fact, something else in verse 3 I want you to see here, when it says, those, it says uh, we who have believed in verse 3, actually when I look it up in the Greek, because I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do have Greek tools, and I notice that it doesn't say have believed in the Greek, it just says we who believe. It's actually we who are currently believing. It's not a past tense thing. A lot of people think, well, I said the prayer once. I walked down the aisle once. I used to believe in Jesus. Well, if you used to believe in Jesus and you don't now, you're in trouble. Okay? This is talking about a current, ongoing faith. It's not past tense. It's present tense. As a matter of fact, again, let me read from the New Living Translation. The New Living says, For only we who believe can enter that rest. You know what? If you're not believing right now, you're in trouble. Now, I know people want to argue, you know, if you're a Christian, you could never lose your salvation. Or That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about the rest that God offers you, the peace of God. And you can get to a place where you're not trusting him anymore. And where did your peace go? You turned, okay? And here's my theory. Just as back in the garden, I think I told you guys this a few times before. Back in the garden of Eden, what caused Adam and Eve to fall? Well, Eve heard the devil... And the devil challenged what God said. You shall not surely die. Did God say you'll die if you eat of that food? It's, he's holding out on you. He knows that when you eat that, good things are going to happen. Really? And she ate it. She chose to believe the devil over God. Now, this is just Mike Sasso's theory, so forgive me if I'm wrong or correct me if you want. But I believe that God made the way back to him a reversal of what happened in the garden. Now, I want you to believe me rather than the devil. I want you to come back. I want you to believe my word and don't doubt me and trust anyone else and act upon what you believe. That's the way back. It's through faith. It's by faith. It's all about faith. I know I told you it's all about Jesus. That's true. It's all about faith in Jesus. Could I adjust it right now? And it's about believing God's word and trusting him. And the word faith in the Greek is pistos, which actually means to trust in, to rely upon to cling to. That's all God is asking of you. Stay close to Daddy. Trust in your Heavenly Father. Hold Him dear. It's, it's not like you're in trouble if you mess up. 
And you know, I have to tell you, I, I wrestle with this all the time. Because I grew up in a world that if you do something wrong, oh, you're in trouble. And you do something right, you might get a reward for it. And, and so, I, you know, we live in this reward-based, punishment-based, growing up through our, you know, in our lives. Over and over again, the Lord has to show me, the more I study his word, even this week, he kept showing me, Mike, I love you. Then I went to the Boise Harvest last night. Where did they keep playing that one song? He loves you. He loves you. He loved. They're flashing it on the screen. I had to take my phone out and film it. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Yeah, tell me some more. I need to hear it. Huh? Do you need to hear it? It's not like good boy, bad boy. Good girl, bad girl. No, it's he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Trust him. Trust him. He loves you. Again, we're going to move through this. Verse 3 of chapter 4 says, For we who have believed, or we who believe, do enter that rest. As he said, so I swore on my wrath. They, those who did not believe, uh, in chapter 4, the last verse, shall not enter my rest, uh, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day. Here's the Sabbath rest. In this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. There's a contrast here. You're going to enter into God's Sabbath rest, or you're going to not experience his rest. Now, on the seventh day, the Bible tells us that God rested from all his works, meaning he was creating everything. Have you ever looked through a telescope? Have you ever watched a, a science movie about outer space and how vast it is? It's amazing. God did all that. You, 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 I promise you, you underestimate God. We think, oh, God lives in my heart. Well, he's not just stuck in there. Oh, God, he's so good. He is good. But he's also awesome, mighty, unimaginable, immutable. I mean, there's so many words of the character of God. When we study, we're going through this apologetic series on Wednesday night. We're looking at the vastness of outer space and the vastness of looking through the microscope. It's amazing how big our God is. We, we underestimate him. And yet, he loves us. And so he did all that in seven days, the Bible says, and then he rested. Now, by the way, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because finished. Fine. Perfecto. He made it, and he got, I'm done. Don't do anything else. It's perfect. And he rested. Not because he's tired, because he was done. And God says, enter his rest. Now, some of you are tired. You could rest because you're tired. But look, enter his rest means quit trying to impress God, earn God's favor. Quit trying to make him like you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. We got to get this, folks. He rested on the seventh day, and he's still resting. There's no more creation. There's nothing new he's making. And now he invites us into his rest. He invites us to rest with him, to rest, listen, in his work, his finished work on the cross that Jesus paid it all. Rest in what he has done. You're not, you may not be finished yet. You may still have to go to work tomorrow, okay? But rest in what he has done. But those who refuse to believe have no rest. That's what it says in verse 3. You know, I was thinking about as I'm reading this, studying for this, that there's an old saying. I remember growing up, they always used to say, there's no rest for the wicked. And they would kind of joke because it's like when they're, they're working and they're tired, they're talking about their wicked. There's no rest for the wicked. But I wonder if that saying came from this text. There's no rest for the unbelieving, the wicked. Verse 6 goes on to say, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. 
and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it's been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Have you heard that verse before? We've read it twice in chapter 3, verse 8. For if Joshua had, been given, had given them rest, he would not have afterwards spoken of another day of rest. Therefore, there, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Now, the author is actually quoting from Psalm 95, and I know many of your growth groups are on break. Some are still going, but I'm going to ask the growth groups, or maybe you can even do it as your own homework, to read Psalm 95 to get the whole flow of this. Let me read to you a section of Psalm 95, um, starting in verse 7. For he is our God, and we are all the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and they wandered 40 years. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation. And I said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts, and, and they do not know my ways. And so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Why would the author of Hebrews keep telling New Testament Christians about this? Because you could miss out too. You could get ripped off. You could rip yourself off by worrying, by fear, by unbelief, and you could miss out on the peace that passes all understanding that the Lord wants to give you. Again, verse 8 says, by the way, I want you to make sure, how many of you guys, anybody have the King James Bible in here? Because there's a little bit of a difference here in verse 8. I've got to point out and explain. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, speaking about Joshua in the Old Testament, many of you King James Bibles say, if Jesus would have given them rest. Well, it's a typo. No, it's not a typo. Here's the tough things that translators have to deal with. In the Hebrew, the word Joshua is in the Greek, Jesus. So depending on what they're using, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, Jesus and Joshua, as a matter of fact, Mary probably called Jesus Yeshua, Yeshua. Have you heard that? Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Joshua. Okay, so it's actually two things. It's, it's a proper translation. It could work either way, but I think it's also a plain words because I think what the author is saying, if their Jesus would have given them rest back then, if they would have listened to their Jesus, but they didn't believe their Jesus. Verse 8 says, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day, meaning they looked forward to the day of the new covenant when Jesus, the Messiah, would come. There therefore remains a rest for the people of God. So the author is speaking about a future day, a future and a hope. Here the author is using a past tense history of the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness to give a current allegory for us. So now your next few fill-ins, I stole them again, just like John Owen, the Puritan. This I stole from uh, Warren Worsby. I couldn't help it. I, I saw it and I took it. Forgive me. Actually, I think if you give credit, then you could get away with it. So Warren Worsby, here's your next few fill-ins. And I got it from Worsby. <clears throat> the Canaan rest for Israel is a picture of the spiritual rest we find in Christ when we surrender to him. The word is surrender. When we come to Christ by faith, we find salvation rest. The words are salvation rest. Now, I want you to pay attention because what, what I like about what Worsby's doing here, he's painting a picture of different kinds of rest we can get in trusting Christ and what we could miss out on if we don't. He goes on the same. Oh, look, when I cover my mouth, what it does. All right, the next fill-in. When 
when we yield to and learn of him and obey him, obey is the word, by faith, we enjoy submission rest. There's a salvation rest. There's a submission rest. Now, here's the two different kinds of pieces I tried to make sure that you get, and, and Warren Worsby has it in his outline. The first is peace with God. Romans 5.1, peace with God. The second is the peace of God, and that's in Philippians chapter 4. Sometimes we have peace with God, but we're not feeling the peace of God because we're doubting, we're, we're unbelieving, or we're in sin. There's all kinds of reasons, okay? And, and I'll go on in your feelings. It is by believing that we enter into that rest. Aren't you glad God made it so easy? Just trust him. Just believe what he says. But it is by obeying, your next line, it is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that his rest enters into us. Isn't that good? Let me read that last line again. I like this last line. It is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that his rest enters into us. There's times you're not experiencing the rest of God because you're backslidden. You're in sin. You're at war with God. You're, you're running from him. You're running from his will. You're not trusting him and you're not obeying him. But I like this last line. It is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that his rest enters into us. Doesn't that make sense? Thank you, Lord. Help me to walk in the rest of God. So now remember, obedience is simply the greatest evidence of true faith. If you don't obey, it's a sign you're not believing God, okay? Verse 10, we'll move along here, and this will be our last verse today, but I've got a lot more verses I'm going to sneak in there if time permits. Verse 10 says, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, to rest from our works as God rested from his means that the believer ceases from their efforts to gain salvation by their own works and their own efforts and they rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Now, something I did, I don't know if, yeah, I did it up here. Uh, I couldn't help it because something that really stood out to me as I was preparing for the message today is the he's, the, the h's, some are capital, some are, are small case. Look at that again. It says, for... Um, Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest, it says he, a small, small h, that means you and me. By the way, you could say she, he, she. Boy, today's gotten complicated with people getting all upset you didn't say she, right? Okay, girls, that's you too. It's us, okay? But it's a small h entering into the big h rest. It's the little old me entering into God's rest. And it says uh, his rest has... Let me start from the beginning. For he who has entered his rest has himself, small age, also ceased from his works, small age, as God did from his, big age. That means, little old me, I can't do anything to earn my way into heaven. I can't do anything to please God and get him to like me. He either likes me or I'm in trouble. But I got good news for you. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. I'm probably even singing the wrong tune on that, but that's what sticks in my head. That song was good because we can't come to God unless we first see he's coming to us first. He loves us and he's calling us unto himself. So with a few minutes we have left, which I think we have 10, uh, I, I want to go over some real important passage, patch, passages about God's attitude towards you and the salvation he offers by faith, not by your works, 
Now, don't get me wrong. I believe we need to live like what God's called us to live. And if God's called me righteous and made me righteous, I need to rise up, get my practice to fit my position that I'm going to live like who he's made me to be. Live like what he's calling me to be, okay? So I'm not giving you an excuse to live in sin, but I want to take the burden off of you. Oh, do you ever feel it? Like, I'm not doing enough. I blew it last week. I said what I shouldn't have said. I did what I shouldn't have done. Oh, God's going to send me to hell. We are, you know, the devil's biggest weapon. He's the, he's the accuser of the brethren. And he's always pointing at us, trying to make us feel bad, make us feel guilty. So listen, Romans 4. Romans 4, verse 3. Let me read it to you. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. It means if you work, you get your pay, right? But to, listen to the verse 5. You should memorize this. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What? Do you see what that's saying? To the one, the religious person, who's not trying to work to earn his way to heaven, who, to him who does not work, but instead believes God. This sounds counter-religious. The Pharisees and the Sadducees would not like this. But I love it. This is good stuff. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who, what? Accepts those who do everything right. No, justifies the ungodly. That's me. God justifies the ungodly. There's hope for me. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Oh, God, help me to just always trust you and not doubt you. What a beautiful verse. Let me keep reading now. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. I didn't underline it up there, but I should have. Listen, God imputes righteousness apart from works. God makes you righteous even if you don't work for it, especially if you don't work for it. Oh, keep reading. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness come then upon the circumcised only, meaning only those who keep the law of Moses, or upon the uncircumcised too, meaning the Gentiles who don't even know anything about the law of Moses? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. What made Abraham righteous before God? By the way, Abraham, if you know the story, he was long before Moses, before the law before the Sabbath law, before the, the, all the do's and don'ts of Moses, all those 300 something laws that Moses came up with. Abraham was right with God long before the law came along. It says, why? Because he trusted God through faith. <sighs> you know why I preach this? I need to hear it. Thank you, Lord. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? I mean, while he was keeping all the laws of Moses or before the law of Moses? Not while he was circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision. Later he did get circumcised. A seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was still uncircumcised. Now I don't have PowerPoints for this, so don't get excited. But I'm going to tell you, this is something we need to get. That he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed. That means righteousness given you. That means God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Imputed righteousness. That's the only kind of righteousness that gets you into heaven is imputed righteousness. Imputed to them also 
and the father of circumcision to those who not only are the, of the circumcision, but also those who walk by the steps of faith of our father Abraham while he was still uncircumcised. Oh, I got so many more verses, but I think I, no, I just got three more. Can we get through it? You're not ready. Okay, listen. I love this. Jesus, speaking to his Jewish audience in John chapter 6, when they were, they were trying to get him to bring, make some more fish and loaves and feed, feed them, and they were in a conversation. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that endures to eternal life. And then uh, they says, what must we do? Matter of fact, that's, that's the next verse. Uh, John six twenty eight. Then they said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What a question. What should I do in order to do God's work? Because I'll be right with him. Jesus' answer might surprise you. He says, this is the work of God. Go to church every Sunday, never miss a Sunday, and be a Sunday school teacher, and jump through the hoops, go door to door, and pass out your little magazines, and ride your little 10 speeds, and jump through other hoops. Shut up. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? This is the work of God. That you believe in him who he has sent. Oh, thank you. I think I can do that. And even that, the devil tries to work with me against that, right? But I just need to embrace Jesus and trust in Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. So this is, that's Jesus talking about Jesus. Okay, there's Jesus' answer. Uh, I got two more. Paul, writing to the Gentile believers in Ephesus. And I think I already read this one, so I don't have to spend as much time on it. But he says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The reason I'm doing this again is because there is a verse 10 that you should know about. You know, need to know. We're not saved by works. We're saved by a gift. It's the gift of God. But verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what that means? God didn't save you, save you because you did works, but he saved you by his work, so that now he could work through you. And now that you're saved, you can do good works. Now that you're saved, live right. Now that he saved you by grace through faith, just live the way you should live and do good stuff. And it's not like you're not doing good, good works to try to earn his love and try to get him to like you. You do good works because he likes you. And so you're running for your lunch, not running for your life. You see what I'm talking about? Isn't that good? Okay, one more. And I almost left this out, and one day I was, I was waking up in the morning, could have been Friday morning, and I thought, oh, there's one more verse I've got to add to my notes, and then I could let them go home. It's 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. It's only right. He died for us, and now we must live for him. It's the Bushido Code. I'm joking. <laughs> what was it? Last, last week, my wife and I were watching a comedy about this, this big brother who's trying to hold his sister to something that, that you know, I saved you. I saved you. you. You need to do something good for me now. It's the Bushido Code. So sometimes I use something I saw somewhere else and it makes no sense to you, but we get it. Yeah, so we, we get a laugh out of it and you could just kind of sleep through that one. But listen, yeah, I, sometimes I wonder some of these codes that came from ancient... Uh, Orient and, and different, different kinds of things that went through the, the Middle East and around the world. I wonder if some of those codes were kind of taken from somewhere else. Because it really is true. He died for me. He saved me. And now I owe him. He saved me. 
He died for me, and now I'm going to live for him. That should be the attitude. No, you're not living for him to earn salvation. No, you don't have to do works to make sure to get God to like you. No, but he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And now we just live for Jesus. That's the proper perspective of the Christian life. And that's where you will find rest. Now I decided only to cover 10 verses because if I covered any more, we'd go a lot longer. Okay? And so, LG, stick around. I'll give a second service, man. Okay? <laughs> Listen, uh, we do have, we're going to close in prayer right now, but we do have a leaders meeting for those who are leaders over ministry. We're going to have a brief meeting in the cafeteria, uh, I think, at noon. So, we'll help, help clean up, put everything away, and then we're just going to touch base on how things are going and then have a time of prayer uh, for the fellowship and for one another. But right now, let's just... Uh, Let's close together and let's just bring all this before the Lord that he's, he's spoken to us. Lord, Lord, I thank you that you have made salvation attainable because it's not something I do, it's something you do. Father, I thank you so much that you sent your only son to die on the cross for me because if I tried to pay my way to heaven, I'd be dead and stay dead. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace. And I pray, first of all, for every Christian here who struggles with guilt, who struggles with works, who struggles with earning your love, Lord, help us to get it. Help us to see you love us. You love us. You love us. Help us to see that you saved us because you love us. And all we, all we are to do is just trust you and follow you in faith. But Lord, I also pray if there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice, whether it's, whether it's in here in person or live streaming or later on the radio who doesn't know you, who doesn't know forgiveness of sins, who maybe for the first time heard the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel of Christ, Lord, help them to understand and hear the cry of their heart. And if it's you that I'm praying for, just call out to him right now. Just admit your sin before him. Realize that you are a sinner and he is the Savior. It's not the other way around. You're the sinner. You need the Savior. And just admit that to the Lord and call out on him and ask him to cleanse you of your sin. If there's specific sin that's standing between you and God, just name it. You don't have to say it out loud, but say it to him. Just say, Lord, forgive me for. Cleanse me from my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me yours forever. Jesus, he's the resurrection, the we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.